Hello. We want to thank you for joining our Living Messiah family by downloading this podcast. We hope it blesses you and enriches your life. We also want to encourage you, uh, if you can, and if your heart is so moved, to support this ministry by going on our website, livingmessiah.com, and donating to help us to put these podcasts in every nation, every place, so we can bring these messages to change lives, to help people grow in the Word of God. Once again, thank you so much for being part of our family. Shalom. All right. Well, Shabbat Shalom, everyone. I'm glad all you guys are here today. It's another wonderful Shabbat for us. Let me open in prayer, and then we can get right into our study here. Father, Yahweh, we give you great thanks. Father, thank you for this Shabbat upon us. We thank you for all the people that you've brought us together here under your hand, under your name, and under your redemption of your son, Yahshua. Father, we thank you very much. Father, we are here to understand your ways, and we ask for your insight and your wisdom, and help us to grow closer to you by understanding you, empowering us with your spirit so we can overcome and become just like your son, that perfect example for us, Yeshua. We thank you again. Amen. Well, I'm glad all you guys are here today. So, um, uh, John, you got the mic. John will have the mic, so uh, Norm will just raise your hand and it will find its way to you. Um, today, we, um, uh, we, we, I've been, <laughs> we've been going over our time, uh, time limit, so we've got to make sure that we um, stop on time today. So if it gets down towards the end and we do stop, remember we have next week and you can come back. Uh, uh, then as well. So take, please take no offense if we have to um, uh, close down uh, sooner or if we're in the midst of something. So, and um, all we ask is that the comments will be on point and try to be brief as well for the next brother or sister that maybe has something they'd like to say. So first of all, we are in Jerusalem in the days of Passover. That's, uh, that's where this uh, story is taking place, where we find ourselves in the book of Matthew, and that is in chapter 22. So uh, we have uh, uh, the Sadducees are coming to Yeshua and testing in them, and they're doing the what-if test that whole what if this. It's an extremely hypothetical situation uh, that's based on the verses out of Deuteronomy 25, which we have read, and um, hopefully you guys will have that in your minds as we look at the text. And Because what that had to deal with is about a brother dying and then a brother uh, taking uh, the, de- uh, the deceased brother's uh, wife and raising up a name for him. And we read about that in Deuteronomy uh, 25, and that's what what's taking place right now. I'll read this real quick, and then, because a lot of what we did read, I'm going to briefly do that, and then we'll get into what's going on here. I, I do have a, a somewhat structured of an avenue that I want to uh, to approach all this, but we will answer, or I believe we will go over all the intricacies that are here, okay? But I believe if we do it one, a little bit at a time, we'll cover all of it um, in that sense. So it's on, on that day, the Sadducees who say there is no resurrection came to him and asked him, 
saying, Teacher Moses said, If anyone should die having no children, his brother shall marry his wife and raise up offspring for his brother. And there, were, um, and there were with us seven brothers, and the first died after he had married, having no children, left his wife to his brother. In the same way, the second also, the third, and the, to the seventh. Okay? The last uh, and last of all, the woman died too. At the resurrection, then, whose wife of the seven shall she be? For all had had her. And Yeshua answered and said to them, You go astray, not knowing the scriptures, nor the power of Elohim. For in the resurrection they do not marry, nor are they given in marriage, but are as messengers of Elohim in the heavens. So that's what we're, where we're at. And really, what I do want, I want to look at how Yeshua answered. We went over a little bit, how, a little bit like the Pharisees and the Sadducees and um, some of the differences, some of the things uh, uh, that I said, I kind of agree with how they went about it. But that gives us somewhat of a background that we're looking at. But I think if we even, now that we did that, we're, as we're looking at the, the New Testament and what's right in front of us, that gives us a good idea um, of, of maybe understanding why Yeshua answered the way he did, because we have that background. So why did, answer, uh, why did Yeshua answer the way he, de, uh, he did? Can, I believe that can tell us more, you know, more, at least for this particular situation, this particular uh, conversation and this particular time again this is the time of passover and i know you hear me say that but i that plays a huge part of in all this so um and we might have uh some ideas that we've gathered from the past and all i'm asking is maybe try to set those uh, to the uh, to the side, and let's try to look at it in, ref in a refreshed, a refreshness. Um, that way, maybe we're not bringing in some things that uh, we're holding on to that may or may not play out in the text itself. And I'm saying that because that's what I, I myself tend to do. I've heard this about this, heard that. So what I what I try to do is go and you know look at it completely new, you know, in a new a new light. And to be honest with you, there is a lot packed in these verses that we see here. We have, um, so maybe the traditional answer that, you know, we've hung on to, it may be right, but maybe it's giving us even wrong conclusions too, okay? I want to look at um, what is here, like I said, and we'll go at it a little bit at a time, and I believe we can cover all the, the intricacies and the statements here. Um, we, we've been in the book of Matthew for a while, and I am in no rush. I'd rather us go through it a little bit at a time, however fast, however slow, and really, you know, uh, gain more out of it than we did last time or last year when we read it or whenever that might be for your case, okay? So let's all grow together because there is a lot of terms and words that are here that I find just through my walk in the recent 10, 12, 15 years, uh, we need to go back and make sure we're hanging on to the definitions that have been handed down from the Old Testament. We can't redefine these from 
from reading the book from the Gospels backwards, okay? We really do need to make sure uh, the best we can is have these terms and these understandings from Genesis forward and not the other way around. Because the other way around, I have found in my life personally, it's like, wow, <laughs> I'm coming from a perspective that we're thinking the, uh, what are the Greek Roman idea, even uh, from a different type of a theological background, and then trying to go back from, uh, from you know, the book of John or the Gospels here and then going back and in the Old Testament and finding answers. And sometimes we're maybe not doing it in the correct manner and coming up with wrong conclusions, okay? Um, not that they're so far, uh, some are pretty far off that I have found personally, and some aren't not that far off. So again, it is trying to uh, let Scripture define itself. So, it, how I'm doing that, I'm going to approach it by how Yahshua is answered. So, let's look at this. Matthew 22, we just read, You go astray not knowing the Scriptures, nor the power of Elohim. Okay? Then Mark has somewhat the same thing. You do not know the Scriptures, nor the power of Elohim. But Luke is interesting. Same situation, but Luke's recording it a little bit different. He, doesn't, he answers this way. And Yeshua answered and said to them, The sons of this age, uh, age uh, marry and are given in marriage, but those, who are, uh, but those who are counted worthy of attaining that age and the resurrection from the dead neither marry nor are they given in marriage, for neither is it possible for them to die anymore because... They are like messengers and are sons of Elohim, being sons of the resurrection. Luke has packed a lot more uh, there. So, let's look at this bit by bit. The first thing is, you go astray not knowing the scriptures or the power of Elohim. This time, that really caught me, caught me off. God, that simple statement. Think about it. You go astray not knowing the scriptures, okay? This is Yeshua. This is a time period before the New Testament has been written. So what are the scriptures that he is possibly talking about? It can't be Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, blah, 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 blah. You see what I'm saying? The simple. If we, and why I'm, I'm mentioning that, the statement I meant before, if we, we, most of us have, we've come to know the Messiah through the book of John and the Mas, uh, Matthew and the Gospels, okay? And I, I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with it because I'm standing here today. But with that mindset, we're going back and, oh, the scriptures tell of, of Jesus or whatever. And in, our, in some sense, we're assuming, oh, that's Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Chronicles, Paul, and everything else. But we've got to put it into its historical order and how it happened. So it's quite clear here that all of the New Testament, Yeshua is not considering, well, let's say at this point, as being Scripture. He's referring back to something else. And <laughs> the other thing, let's put in there, or the power of Elohim. So he means, is it wrong for me to associate that 
the scriptures of the Old Testament and the power of Elohim and who he is is also associated with those scriptures which have not been written yet. He hasn't even died and resurrected yet. And he's proclaiming, I don't believe he's proclaiming anything future here. I believe he's proclaiming absolute truth in the point of history where he's at. Polly, I saw your hand up. This last uh, time we were in Israel, we spent a little bit of time with those in the land. And a lady that had been with us for a little while made an interesting observation that she shared. And she said, you know, you guys know scripture. We know parables about scripture and we understand scripture through parables or stories. But you guys know the scripture where you know what it says and you can quote where it's at, where we understand the scripture through stories and parables that we've been taught. And I had to ponder about that a little bit, thinking because if you read through the Mishnah or the Talmud, a lot of it is a parable or a teaching about a principle mm -hmm. in the scripture rather than quoting the scripture itself. Uh, very true. So, and yeah, so it's like, uh, it's like almost not completely secondhand, but no reference point to what you're learning. So that would be the New Testament. If that's all you're focusing on, it's kind of secondhand information. If you don't have anything to really back that up, and that's what we're going to look at because it's talking about the resurrection. Where is that in the Old Testament? Hmm? But the point being, we do need to understand it the best that we can. Um, Perry Beth, did you have your hand up or no, you're just passing the mic. So, so what I'm trying to show here, what I have, uh, what I've learned is like something as simple as that statement. Do you see how much weight is in that statement? When we put it back to the, uh, Yahshua, where he's at and what time frame that he's saying these, John. So I was listening to Dennis Prager. He's got a new book out on Exodus, which we ought to get. But anyway, he was talking about the afterlife. He was saying, where is, is there, a, is there an example of that in the, in the Old Testament, in the Torah? And his response was, like all the patriarchs, they will be buried, they'll be taken up to their, how does it say it? They will be gathered to, gathered their, fathers. to their fathers. Right. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of the implication. That was his response. That was interesting. I'm glad you mentioned because we will. That's one of the things that we're, I'm going to, I want to address with you guys. Okay? And we're going to get to that. Okay? So, the other thing that I noticed, which I, you see here in Luke, for me, Luke is the key to understanding the passage. And I don't think Luke's, the way Luke is worded or how I would understand it from Luke matches along with Matthew and Mark. But if we take, for me, if we take Luke out of the equation, all of a sudden Matthew and Mark, it kind of leaves us open to kind of add things maybe or, or to the text or let our minds go wild with other theologies or ideas that have been placed, whether good or bad. I'm not saying one way or the other. And why I'm saying that is because 
Luke, the, the, the sons of this age are given in marriage. So Luke's basing this down. Remember, the Sadducees come to you, okay, in the resurrection, okay, when the, you know, because of this, that extreme, okay, this brother dies, all right, and then another brother takes, the woman, uh, takes that wife and so on, that whole big story. So all of a sudden we can be ended up okay in the at the day of resurrection. Who's who he who's who's going to be married to her? To me, I see Luke is uh, or the comments Yeshua is making in Luke fix a lot of that for me personally, without going to like okay, what's it going to be? Messiah is bringing it right back to today. What's being said? He's not ignoring the resurrection. But, it, but the issue, okay, first, we did pick, point out the Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection, okay? So they're coming with something that they don't even really believe in, all right? And it's clearly Yeshua does believe in the resurrection. But he's pointing out maybe you, maybe you go astray not knowing the scriptures because no one's going to die again after they are resurrected so ultimately, this commandment that the Father set down or we've been given never doesn't apply anymore. It only applies if there's death. Isn't that interesting? What I mean by that, after the resurrection, they're living, no one's going to die, so a brother doesn't have to go to his, be given in marriage to raise up a name for his Name of his dead son, because no one dies. Or his dead brother. Raise up his son. You see what I'm saying? I think that's, I mean, that's one thing that stood out to me when I was sitting back and focusing on what, what is being said here. And honestly, if we look at that, that kind of maybe changed uh, where I see Matthew uh, and Luke uh, kind of, they, you know, when they are raised from the dead, they are neither marry or given in marriage. Okay, and we can talk about uh, they're become messengers of the heavens. We'll address that probably a little bit later on. But a simple thing is he's addressing something clearly, their fault and what they're bringing forth. So he's basically showing you, well, you haven't thought about Scripture too far here because in the resurrection, guys, this commandment, we have no need for this commandment to be because because there will be no more death. You will not need to, you know, marry someone or have be given in marriage. Yes. Well, I was looking, you know, this is kind of unique because I brought my international version. You got to talk. And an international version and all four of these particular things I have already underlined. Hmm. Now, in the revised, it says... And Jesus said to them, which you mentioned, the sons of this age marry and are given in marriage, but those who are accounted worthy to attain to that age and, resur and resurrection, the dead neither marry or given in marriage. Now, here's kind of, kind of a unique thing, too. Now, the Living Bible, it says it easier yet. Jesus replied, marriage is for people who are on earth. No. And then say the international real quick. It's, it's pretty short, too. It says, uh, 
but those who are considered where am I at here? worthy of taking part in the age of the resurrection from the dead will neither marry nor be given in marriage. And the King James is, uh, you know, in, this is all out of Luke now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they which have accounted worthy to obtain the word and the resurrection from the dead neither marry nor are given in marriage. Neither can they die any more and for equal unto the angels. And I won't go on any further. I don't think you need to. Yeah. No, but it's interesting what uh, that one translation in there said about something about earth. That, te- that is not in the text at all. So we have to be careful, uh, the, uh, which I think you're doing a great job. You're looking at the various translations. Oh, that one particular is adding a it theology a there that may not, all I'm saying is may not be necessarily correct to right. start to play in there. It's not in the Torah because I read that before we come. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's, uh, it's right, be- right to your left. So, no, it is, it is interesting, but uh, that's what I think. Neither is it possible for them to die anymore. So it kind of solves that whole problem. But the, did you notice the, the other thing? Um, let's say, I think uh, the other zinger, I guess, is a way to say Messiah added in his, what he was saying. Those who are worthy to obtain that point. All right? I would say uh, that was a little bit directed to his audience because he just said well you you know you don't know you're not understanding maybe the commandment here especially you're the one who brought up resurrection so i kind of know and void so and even if you're worthy of obtain that i i can i don't know i think he was kind of pointing out something to them about make sure that you're going to be worthy of obtain that point since you don't believe in it you know you know, I don't know. Maybe I'm being a little sarcastic on my end of how reading into the text, but John. So bringing it back to a two-house thing, Yeshua came but for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And we say that by, them, by him removing the bill of divorce, the house of Israel has been resurrected. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, is that, I is that say- a reasonable... A reasonable thing. I don't know if you're going anywhere with that. but Not necessarily, but okay. no, I understand. I'm just thinking that that's... Because these guys are like, ah, we don't care about that. Well, it, it, regardless of your theology, you know, what happens when you die, if my main focus is to, to restore the house of Israel, then it's important. Yeah. Thank you, Joe. So... Uh, so would you say Yeshua is answering the question and addressing something a little bit deeper at the same time? He has a habit of doing that, doesn't he? Something a little bit deeper, maybe personal to a group, and maybe per- on a personal, individual level as well. I see it's just, I'm amazed, which we shouldn't be, but I am still, how Yeshua answers things and how even Scripture itself, how it's designed, and how the words of Elohim can touch many places, that can teach many things at the same time, and not be contradicting each other, and get you to that, the, your bones, so to speak. Michelle. Well, John made a good observation 
on the, um, you know, going back. Now, if we're talking about marriage in the scriptures, it was done under covenant. Mm -hmm. And the covenant was if a person died, then they create another covenant with the next person, the next husband. So for them to say, you know, question him on the scriptures, they should have known that. It's based on covenant. And Messiah did come to restore the covenant with Israel. Mm -hmm. So it was the same kind of a covenant. Um, it does say that Yahweh is spirit. Is spirit. And right now, I look at the age that we live in right now as an age of flesh. We're not going to be a flesh creature. We're going to be a spiritual. We're going to be more like, like Messiah and the creator in the very end at the resurrection. We look at everything on a flesh issue because we live in the flesh. Mm -hmm. This is much higher is what he's telling them. They have to get into the spirit to actually understand this. And it has to be tied back to the covenant because we don't get to create a religion and bring God into our religion. We have to, we have to go to the faith that he's already established. That's where we find the creator. That's where we find him because that was the covenant. If you, you want to be my people and I'll be your God. Mm -hmm. So... To the confusion today lies with so many people thinking, well, I want to be this religion, I don't want to be that religion, and God automatically is the puppet that comes in. Mm -hmm. it's, it's not that way. Conforming yes. your own God, he, however you want he to He is be. going to stand by the covenant that he made. And it's the same thing here. I mean, it was an easy question because it, you, they broke the marriage covenant when he died. So they established another covenant with the next husband. So she would not be in her covenant with any of them. Mm -hmm. Well, it, 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 it was broken because he had died. Yes, yes. No, I, and those are types of things I actually, uh, some of the things that you're talking about, I, we're going to go over. And it might be, I don't know, how do I put it? Let's look at him in, with an, an honest uh, Look from the Old Testament as we compile these thoughts and these, uh, and we have to make sure that we're bringing in the concepts that we can find to prove these out or how we are going to think. Thank you, Michelle. So, yes. Well, I, <clears throat> I noticed one thing, like you mentioned already, it seems like his parables, there are so many variables that he takes on someone with. I hate to say it like this, but an IQ of 100 to 160. And there's always somewhere there, there where they're going to find something different. Oh, yes. And what I would understand is that 100 guy. <laughs> yeah. But uh, getting back to that, and I understand what you're saying, Dad. And I think there is, uh, I, I would agree with you that there is a way that we do put reverence to him. But don't cut yourself short. In that, and why I say that because uh, I don't know if it's this week or it was last week or right off the. <coughs> the word is very near you. You don't have to go here. You don't have to go there. Meaning, it's right here, and we don't need an IQ of a 
I don't even know what the big IQ should be. We don't need this huge number to understand our creator. You know, we really don't. So don't cut yourself out of any kind of picture, or anybody for that matter, because, oh, I might not be smart enough. No. You, he has given you, every one of you, the capability to understand him, to grow close to him. You know, none of that, you know, uh, should play, ever play a, a factor in that. But go ahead, Kathy. I just then, want to make a quick comment before we get too far ahead, but what our sister Michelle was saying about a covenant with um, Yah and um, religion, I've come to, for years, I didn't believe in organized religion. I just thought it was like a label and like churches, this one, that one, that one, and it's there's all so silly. There's more anarchy religion yeah, is better because there's like, no one in charge. Well, I have all these <laughs> debates about if you're Catholic or Protestant or whatever. Yeah. And what I learned, it's a one-on-one relationship with y'all. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter what church you're going to. It doesn't matter if you don't even go to church, if you're just in your home and you just have that one-on-one, mm-hmm. that that's what matters. It doesn't matter about anything else except for y'all. He's our ultimate. He's there in the beginning and will be there in the end, and he's always present. It doesn't matter about all this in-between stuff. Yes. No, thank you, Kathy. So, I, I just wanted to add one thing. I can remember way back when Billy Graham one time said, just remember, you don't take anything with you. There's no U-Haul behind. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, I do want to stay on a point here. Uh, uh, go ahead. I'll let you go. There's something that hasn't come up yet that I think is important, and I do think I understand this. If I'm wrong, correct me. But wasn't the reason that this was necessary was due to the inheritance that would have been lost if there was not a family name to carry on through a son? And that is the reasoning for this um, tradition that they had to have brother come in and stand to produce Uh, a son for inheritance. And so in this age, or in their time there, that was necessary. And I also understand they had a little loophole uh, for the original dividing to take care of if this didn't happen. So it wasn't Mm -hmm. an absolute necessity, but the reasoning was for the inheritance and what are we to inherit now but eternal life. Mm-hmm. That is the new inheritance. So, to me, that kind of explains this. If we look at the, the reasons why they were, well, why they were questioning it, it, the way they possibly, well, no, why they even had the practice of oh, why the commandment was set out. Okay, right. yes, yes. No, I agree with you. I do see that was a very important thing and a very valuable thing. Uh, to keeping the and uh, what, uh, the inheritance within the tribe and not outside, and we saw that a couple times. Uh, uh, the daughters of Zilpa, if I'm not pronouncing it correctly or whatever, you know. So there was important, and then the what I think what plays a part in all that is it is very important for a family and the community because behind these people, behind Israel. The most important thing is the oath 
that the creator of the universe set down and used Israel for that. For that. So behind all that, you can see why the covenant is so important because it's Yahuwah behind all this when we get to the core. And he's going to guard it. That's why he set things the way he did. You know, so uh, I, there's a lot in, as you can see already, there's a lot of avenues that we can go here. And I kind of want to know that plays a part in it. And I, yes, 100%, I can see that is it. And that might be one of the misguided motives why they were asking where the money's going. <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? At the same time, well, who's really going to get this inheritance? Because remember, the Sadducees looked at it, everything was more now, and you got m- your blessings from above because how much money you had was one of that. We saw that. So you can see that maybe their mindset, which is no different out there. A lot of times we sometimes think that all the time. You know, uh, uh, money can be a blessing, but sometimes it may not be the blessing that you think it is. Yes, Merle, and then we'll, um, we'll continue on. Well, that's actually in the Torah somewhere in Deuteronomy uh, when a brother dies. And another brother is supposed to take it on, and if he doesn't, they take it up to the elders, and I'm trying to find it. I think it's in Deuteronomy, um, but it's not. I'd have to type in more. And they take his shoe off, and they spit in his face. Yes, uh, 25. De- Deuteronomy 25, yes. thank you. And, but if you're, is that the only covenant you're talking about? Because I was in Yes, the that's what, yeah. Because I was... Okay, then there's probably no reason for me to make a comment about, because if you're not talking about Yeshua bringing the marriage back to the Father, you weren't talking about that at all? Not right off, no. Okay. But if you have something... Well, yeah, they made a covenant on Mount Sinai, and they agreed in unison, and um, in Exodus 19.8, also Exodus 24, verses 3 and 7, where they agreed. Mm-hmm. But they failed the adultery test. Spiritually speaking, according to Numbers 5, and <clears throat> the ten northern tribes were divorced, and of course the two southern, if you look in Jeremiah 3, especially particularly verse 8. So they had to have a, an adequate sacrifice to be able to get the marriage back because God, or the father, had no choice but to divorce them. According to Deuteronomy 24, verses 1 through 4, he really couldn't take us back because we were defiled with false gods. And, um, but if this is way off base, you know, but that's where Colossians 2, verses 13 and 14 come in, I think, uh, where a lot of Christians get this messed up. They think all, everything was just nailed to the cross, but that's not what it's talking about. Yeah. So um, I didn't want to get you too off. Sorry oh, about that. Uh, that's fine. Thank you. Thank you. And then, I mean, there's a lot of different things that we are going to talk about. Um, and, and we will get to all those uh, as well. I'm just trying to go a little bit at a time here and gain from what we can, you know, as we go. Uh, yes. Um, Ralphie, I wanted to make a comment on they should have known the scriptures. They should have known the law of kinsman redeemer. Mm-hmm. Um, all the brothers would have become the next kinsman redeemer, or if there wasn't a brother, um, should have been passed on to the next 
kinsman redeemer mm -hmm. for producing the bloodline. At, when they're talking about the resurrection, we don't need a kinsman redeemer at that point. Messiah is our kinsman redeemer. That's why we are going to be his bride. He puts it in wordage that we'll understand. And it's tying back to not only having a covenant, but the covenant going back through and the bloodline going back through a kinsman redeemer. Like Ruth and Boaz, for mm -hmm. example. Um, had they, they should have known in the scriptures that that was a requirement of the scriptures. Yeah, no, and I agree. Or maybe they did, and this was their jab at the resurrection because they themselves did not adhere to that particular doctrine, but the Pharisees did. And, and again, this might have been this type of game. Okay, whose side is this guy going to be on? Is he going to be on our side, or is he a Pharisee? Let's get him down, or, or whatever it might be. You know, so again... I, there's a lot of this uh, at play, I believe. Maybe all of it at the same time, okay, uh, in what's going on. But let me, let's continue here. We've still got some time here. The resurrection of the dead, because obviously it's coming up here. Where in the Old Testament is it? And why I wanted to approach this is because, okay, so you be at least equipped with a little bit, okay, with that statement. And, I mean, like anything, and see, the other thing is that this goes hand-in-hand hand with another statement that came up to me personally, which we kind of addressed in the beginning of this teaching. Can you prove Yeshua from the Old Testament? Those who believe in Yeshua, believe in Jesus Christ, can you prove him from the Old Testament? And you need to be able to do that. Because if you can't, ultimately you're going to be on shaky ground and someone's going to be a little bit quicker with you, especially a lot of, uh, a lot of those others that do know the book very clearly. All right? can maybe shatter someone's faith or where they're at because ultimately, what are you trusting in? Now, I know you guys talked about the spirit. I'm 100% in the Ruach and the spirit. But the, how it's defined in scripture and how we see it, it's something that we can see the evidence of. So we cannot separate a spiritual thing versus a physical thing. Let me put it this way. Yeshua was the embodiment, in this terminology you'll know, of walking in the spirit. It means that we could, they could see him and they saw the evidence of what he did. And he's asked us to join and do the very same thing. That's what joins the old and the new together, and ultimately the New Testament, if you look at it through the eyes in that way, it's all about what you're doing, how you're producing the spirit of Elohim. Because sometimes when we throw around that word spirit, we're inadvertently dividing it out, dividing it something out here and dividing the, the physical part out. 
And I'm mentioning that because we're going to be talking about the resurrection, you know, and like that one, um, one scripture that was read there, um, it kind of made a death, uh, uh, that one translation made a, a clear cut between a heavenly thing and an earthly thing. All right? And as we look at this, I, I'm not going to tell you how to think, but I'm going to show you from the old, the concepts that are handed down, they're concrete, concrete ideas with the manifestation of something that we can't see, but that we see the evidence that he is. That, to me, is very important as we go forward here and look at when we're talking about the resurrection of the dead and that type of thing, okay? We have to go through that lens. And my hope is, and what I, what I see is, you're going to be much stronger in how you think of our creator. And our hope here all the time, the living Messiah, what we try to do is, trying to live this out is, he becomes more of a reality in your life daily. Not just something that we do on Shabbats, but we constantly work this out and we walk it out. Because that's one thing I've been learning and looking at since in the book of Matthew where we're at. It's like some of these key words have so many things that are associated with it. And I'm going to sit and say, where did we get that from? We got to be honest. Where does that come from? Are we taking foreign ideas, cramming them in, okay, and then nitpicking the Old Testament to make it proof? I would like to say, I want to know truth. And when we do that, what I found when I've gone back and look at these clear definitions, you know, look at the natural and then you'll see the spiritual. Look at the concrete meaning and then you understand the heart of him who we can't see. So, real quick here, and then we have to uh, close down. The resurrection of the dead, and this is actually great homework, I think. Okay? Where in the Old Testament can you find that? Okay? Where are those promises? Where are those promises that you're hanging on to that Messiah seemed to come? Because he has to be supporting what his father said. He's not bringing anything new. He's just come to make it true and come to pass. So we need to look at those. So then we're going to look at the messengers of Elohim in the heavens. Get that defined. Okay? Because we have a lot of euphemisms and we have a lot of idioms that are used in the New Testament that can be taken and applied almost anywhere you want. All I'm saying is, hey, let's get a really clear understanding of this. And this will help us. And maybe my honest opinion, I think this is why Messiah answered the way he did to the Pharisees, to the Sadducees, to anyone who approached him. Okay? So we're going to look at that. And I think we must understand it on uh, the very surface level, the very simple understanding of the terms before the spiritual. I myself come from uh, an understanding that 
You can't, like I said, you can't have one without the other. They live together, echai, the physical and the spiritual. So they work in tangent, and we need to know the, the simple and plain meaning before we build any of our theologies. And that's what I intend to do. So with that, I'd like to close in prayer. And I think that's, I hope you're excited because I'm still excited. And I'll tell you what, I don't got all the answers, but I'm finding some interesting, wonderful things that the Father's doing and to empower us where we're at and for the days ahead so we may overcome whatever comes and we can see clearly for ourselves. That's my desire that I have that I'd like to share with you. And in the meantime, we're going to have fun and looking at the text as well, the best that we can where we're at. So, Father, Yahweh, we give you great thanks. Father, we thank you for your words. We thank you for those promises, precious promises that you have recorded for us. Father, we trust in whom you sent. That is your very spirit. That is your very son, Yeshua, who is bringing us back to you, his redemption, Father. We thank you that you did not leave us. We thank you that your words are true and proven. And let everyone else be a liar. It is you and you alone. Yahuwah, we thank you. Amen. Shabbat shalom, everyone. I'm glad all of you are here.